I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Howdy, everybody. Angela Kinsey here. It's Jenna. And today we're talking about the convention It's season three, episode two. Written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupnitsky. And directed by Ken Whittingham. Jenna, this was a really fun episode for me. I got to travel. I got to go on the road. I know. Remember last week we were talking all about how we got that big season three bump so we could leave the office and do things? Hello, we created an entire paper convention in episode two. (laughs) We are going for it this season. All right, well, let's get into this episode. I have a summary for you. I'm so excited. Here we go. Do it. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, babe. (laughs) Babe, read me your summary, babe. Sweetie, here we go. (laughs) Dollface. Read your summary, dollface. Hey, toots. (laughs) I got a summary for you. Sweet cheeks. Read your summary, sweet cheeks. (laughs) You know what? I might have just watched... The Broadway HD 42nd Street. Oh, by the way, we watched that. Lee and I, we really miss live theater. We really miss it. It's one of our loves. And they have this great catalog of Broadway shows on Broadway HD. And so we watched 42nd Street. It's so good. The the woman who plays the lead, her, her name is Clara. And oh, my God, she is mind blowing. The tap dancing this woman does is just insane. So anyway, but that show has a lot of like toots, darling, babe, mm-hmm. honey, because, you know, it's all set back in the time. And that I don't time. know what time that was. What was that? The Roaring Twenties? When is Roaring Twenties, probably. Yeah. All right. Anyway, summary. <laughs> I'm a, summary. I'm a, Listen, you watch your Broadway shows on the telly. I'm going to watch my hummingbirds. Yeah. We're gonna... This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Maybe I'll put on the weather channel. I don't know. Anything could happen. Okay. Okay. Michael and Dwight travel to Philadelphia to meet Jan, Jim, and Josh for the Northeastern Mid-Market Office Supply Convention. Meanwhile, back in Dunder Mifflin, Kelly sets up Pam on a date with her neighbor, Alan. He's a cartoonist. They're going to have so much in common, right? (laughs) But Angela... Sneaks off to surprise Dwight. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fast fact number one. We've got a big guest star, Robert Bagnell, who played Alan the cartoonist. Now, you might recognize him because he also played Tom Peterman on HBO's The Comeback, starring Lisa Kudrow. Did you watch that show? I did. I thought she was so funny. Well, the whole cast was phenomenal. I was obsessed with that show. Like, obsessed. Yeah. It is such an amazing satire of the entertainment industry and of an actress. Yes. Yes. Like, there's this scene where she opens up a refrigerator and there's nothing in there except for, like, seltzer water and these prepackaged diet meals. And it made me laugh so hard. She's so self-obsessed and narcissistic and she plays it perfectly. Check it out, guys. It's amazing. And Robert Bagnell is on there. So I was so excited to get to work with him, but I knew him. How? We used to do this thing called Instant Films Together, where they take these writers, directors, actors, and crew, and you get 48 hours to make a short film. You're randomly matched, 
you start at like 7 a.m. on Saturday with a little script that's been written for you. It's usually like four pages long. And on Sunday night, everyone gets together and there's a little film festival. And it's so fun. Yeah, it's I so have fun. friends that did this. And I I don't know why I didn't participate, but I have friends that did this and loved it. Well, it's funny, Ange, because you're always kind of talking about how you did the Groundlings or you did the sketch shows, Improv Olympic. Improv festivals, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do any of that stuff, but I did do these... Like short films? Short film festivals, and then they do one for plays as well. They do like a 24-hour play Mm -hmm. where you have to stage a mini play in 24 hours. So I would do like that kind of stuff. But I knew him from that. That's how I knew Robert. He was in the instant film world with me. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So I reached out to him and we had the best conversation about his time on the show. And then he sent me like two pages of memories. Stop it. Yes. That's so fantastic. So kind. So generous. So he told me that the way he got the role on the show was through Mike Schur. How? That Mike Schur had been a writer on season one of The Comeback. Oh, and he had actually left the comeback to go work on the office. I never knew that. Me either. Oh, my God. I would totally have talked to him about that. <laughs> that I know, so right? cool. I know. How did I not know to pepper Mike sure about comeback yes. questions? Uh, Lisa Kudrow tidbits, please. But here is the craziest thing about him. Do you want to hear this crazy personal connection? Okay. All Were right. you and him dating in college? No, I'm kidding. Go. No. No, but around the same time that he was guest starring on The Office, he also had a role in a movie written by my now husband, Lee Kirk. But we didn't know. Stop it. Yes. He was in this movie called Pants on Fire that was directed by Colin Campbell, written by my husband, Lee. And so it was like he was doing this scene with me on The Office, and then he was shooting... This role in Lee's movie, and but you Lee and, and I weren't in love. We're not even a thing or knew each other on each other's radars. That is no. crazy. I know. Such a small world. That is so crazy. That, uh, yeah, that those are the little mind melt moments for me where your lives are crisscrossing and you don't even know it. So you and Lee had this existence crisscrossing and that's so wild. I love that. Well, the crazy thing is, is that movie Pants on Fire That script was sent to me as a writing sample of Lee's. I was going to produce a movie and I needed a writer and I got Pants on Fire as the writing sample and I fell in love with it and I took a meeting with Lee. Oh, my Lord. And then he ended up writing a film for me called The Giant Mechanical Man. And that is how Lee and I fell in love. That's so Was that we worked together on Giant Mechanical Man, which Lee then directed. Wow. And Robert was in that movie. Robert was in Pants on Fire. Isn't that crazy? That is so crazy. I love that. All right. So anyway, I have a ton of fun information from Robert and I will uh, sprinkle that in as we get to those scenes. Okay. So what's up? What's up? What's next, lady? With your fast facts. Next, fast fact number two. Sam, could I get a fan question? What? Fan question. It's a fan question, Angela. Fast fact two is a fan I question. I have got to get my kids <laughs> recording some stuff, <laughs> and then I've got to send it over to Sam, and I'm going to sprinkle one in next week. <laughs> that was my daughter. 
of my it's daughter. It's so cute. It's so well, cute. Well, you know, because my son got to do the deep dive last week. So Oh, that's good. That's good. She gave me a fan question sting because fast fact number two is all fan questions, starting with Ryan Apgar. Where was the convention filmed? Jennifer Berman, was it an actual hotel? Did they have to completely rent out entire floors or the entire hotel? And Sarah Holtz wants to know, were the vendors at the convention real or fake? So many questions about this convention, Angela. Yeah. So, you know, I went to Kentopedia. Kentopedia. I know one or two of these, but Kent will have the full lowdown. So let's hear it. All right. So Kent told me that we filmed this at the Burbank Hilton Hotel, Mm -hmm. which is now a different hotel. It's not called the Burbank Hilton anymore. Right. But it's near, if memory serves, it's kind of over by the Burbank Airport. Yes. Yeah. He said they did not book the entire hotel, but they did book the largest convention room that the hotel had. And they had to book that room for the entire week because it took two full days just to set it up to look like a convention. So he said they started on Monday filling it with all the booths and all the stuff. When I got there, it looked like a full-on convention. It really did. So Kent told me that he really leaned on his production staff. And when he wrote me, he said, will you please give these guys a shout out because they were instrumental in making this happen. Angela, I'm going to hit you with some names. Okay. Do you remember Angie Hamilton and James Carey? Yes. Who worked uh, with Kent? Yes, I know. of course. Of course yeah. I remember them. Angie was our co-producer. Mm-hmm. James Carey was the office manager. He said they were tipped off a few weeks before this episode was set to film that they were going to have to pull off a convention. So... The two of them reached out to literally hundreds of corporations and businesses and asked if they wanted to be in the episode. And here was the deal. The deal was they had to bring their own convention materials. They had to set up their own booths, provide their own staff and wardrobe to sort of populate them during the episode. And they were told that they could not promise that they would get screen time, but they could try. You know, they're like, we'll try to get everyone on camera. He said they got tons of people who wanted to participate. The show was now so popular. People were like delighted to participate. So all those people, he said in the end, there were 176 total, quote unquote, extras, background Mm -hmm. performers, and 140 of them were actual employees of actual companies. That's why it looks so real, because I thought that. I thought when I looked through it, I was like, these look like real companies and their shirts matched and things like that, like details that I feel like would have been so hard for us to pull off. But it's because they were actual companies. I feel like this is the only way you could have done that. There's no way that Carrie Bennett, our wardrobe designer, could have painstakingly designed matching wardrobes for For multiple companies. Yeah. Yeah. In two weeks time. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that movies have months of preparation for, you know, and in TV, you have to pull it off in just a matter of weeks. So that's how they did it. That's amazing. You know, James was so sweet. I have uh, such fond memories of him because I don't know, I feel like there was always something that wasn't quite working at my house. Like I was like, oh, James, I was supposed to print this out. My printer was out of ink and we were on set all day. So it's not like we could just run and buy printer ink or run and, you know, whatever it was we needed to do. And I would go in there so many times and he'd be like, 
all right, Angela, what, what do you need? And I'm like, can you print this for me? Because <laughs> I told my mom I'd mail it to her and my printer. He was just always there to help. And just they were amazing. Angela, I found a bunch of old photos of our crew and I cried looking through them. Aww. I just, uh, you know, it's there's the thing that everybody sees when they're watching the show, which are the actors but what we saw on the set were all these other faces looking back at us and to see these pictures of our sound folks and our gaffers and our our lighters and and our PAs and to see all their faces again. It was just, oh my gosh, Angela. It was amazing. All right. All right. Where are we at, lady? Fast fact number three. This episode almost featured a cameo by Mackenzie Crook who played the original kind of Dwight, Dwight in the British office. Yeah, on the BBC version. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a little nugget that I found on, I believe it was Dunderpedia, but I remember this. So I believe, if memory serves, Mackenzie was in town doing a big press tour for a movie. I think it might have been one of the... Um, Oh, my God. Angela, what's the name of that movie that Johnny Depp is in where he plays the pirate? Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> what's that Johnny Depp movie where he plays a pirate? I don't know. He kind it's of set in the Caribbean. Speech. Yeah. And he's Remember like that one. He's like, what's you sevy, you sevy. <laughs> my stepson, Jack, was so obsessed with those movies that one year for Halloween, he wanted to be Captain Jack Sparrow. We got him the full costume. And then on Christmas Day, we were like, guys, you want to dress up for Christmas? We bought him all like Christmas onesies. And Jack said, can I just dress as Captain Jack Sparrow? So we have this hilarious photo in front of the Christmas tree and Isabel and Kate are in Christmas onesies. They look like an elf, you know, and yeah. Jack is full Jack Sparrow. <laughs> well, you know, Mackenzie Crook was in those movies. I know, yes, yes. Yeah, so I believe he was in town doing this press junket tour. He wanted to have him just appear at the convention in one of the booths and have a little chat with our Dwight so the two kind of Dwights would ah, meet. That would have been I so know. great! Wouldn't that have been amazing? But then the scheduling did not work out. He couldn't come. You know what that's like when you're doing... A press junket, especially. I mean, I well, I don't know what it's like to do a press junket for a movie that size or a series that size, but he couldn't come. He wanted to. He couldn't come. He's the nicest guy. I've met him. He's awesome. But I know almost. Almost. A meeting of the Dwights almost happened, but did not. Jenna, I am so bummed he didn't come because I'm such a fan. And I love that Greg was always trying to incorporate the BBC cast. And we we got to meet them several times, but that would have been really cool. Jenna, thank you so much for three fantastic fast facts. Maybe we should take a break and then we'll come back and get into this episode. I like it, lady. I like it. All right. And we are back. Pam is at her desk and Michael enters and says, hey, did you see Oprah? Because I want to be a father. And you're like, wait, wait, what was on? What was on Oprah? Michael's big takeaway from watching Oprah is that he learns that Angelina Jolie has adopted a baby. So now he wants to adopt a baby. Yeah. And he wants Pam to get on it. Pam, get on it. And Pam's like, I think you should wait because Roy's sister looked into it. And like the application alone costs a thousand dollars. And Michael's like, can't you find me a cheaper baby? 
And then she's like, well, also, it takes a long time, like eight the months. waiting period. It's like eight months. And he's like, oh, my God, I don't even know if I'm going to want a baby in eight months. <laughs> Steve's, so, Steve's play on that was really funny. <laughs> and your reaction was so good. Your reaction to when you say what was on Oprah, like you're. It's I'm so like, good. I'm scared. Because so where is this going? Where is this going? Well, in the end, Pam agrees that uh, she will have Michael's baby if neither one of them have a baby in 30 years. Because she sees like, I can't, I'm not going to get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that's going to come back to haunt her. So in 30 years, when you're 50, you'll have his baby. I'll have his baby. <laughs> oh, my god. Exactly. Gosh. When I'm like 56. Yeah. Basically. Well. There you go. But you know Michael's going to go around and tell people that he and Pam have agreed to have a baby. You, you guys, He's going to leave out the in 30 years part. Yeah, no. This, he's, is, he's, this conversation is going to haunt her now. Yeah. For sure. For sure. He's going to tell people you guys are each other's backup plan. Yeah. So now we're in the actual episode and Michael, you know, is packing for his trip. He has Ryan helping him. Here's his, his packing list, right, for this convention. Three pairs of pants, three pairs of socks, three packs of condoms. Three packs. Fun jeans. Three packs. Jenna, I shouldn't have, but I did a deep dive on how many condoms come in a pack. How many? Like a dozen? I I mean, I feel like there's sort of a range, but normally it's like 36. What? 36 a, in a pack? That's what I saw on a website. That Maybe that's not true. I don't know. I don't know. Do we go to Sam on this? <laughs> Sam, Sam, do you want to contribute to how many packs are in? How many condoms are in a pack? While I do appreciate you guys always throwing to me for drugs or sexual <laughs> deviant things, I don't actually know this one. Oh, good answer, Sam. Good answer. <laughs> um, okay. Also... <laughs> Switching gears, Michael points out that he also wants to take his fun jeans. Just so you guys know, fun jeans apparently are white. <laughs> Michael's yes. jeans. I'd are like to white. point out he is still dry cleaning his jeans. Yes, they're we in the We set bag. that up in an earlier episode, and I love that that got called back. So Angela comes in and she needs Michael to sign for his per diem. I have two things I want to point out. Number one, Jenna, did you see how sassy my ponytail is? Yes, I pointed it out later. I noticed it when you are in the break room. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote it down. Do you want to know why it looks like that? Why? Well, this was around the beginning of the whole Emmy season, award show season. And we were going to parties and things. And I had had a fancy hair blowout. And when I came to work on Monday, I still had great day two hair. So Kim Ferry, who did hair, put it up in this ponytail and it had all this wave and texture to it. And she was like, let's just go with it. Angela has a sassy ponytail. And so then she had to match that each day after. But that's why I have a festive Ooh, pony. I totally 100% noticed it. So now Michael has a very funny talking head. But Jenna, I have a question for you. These are these scenes that we never see, that were never written, that I wish had happened. Because at 2 minutes, 36 seconds, Michael refers to Josh as the poor man's Michael Scott. Or at least that's how he's known around my condo. Jenna, is he talking about Josh Porter to his neighbors and his condo unit? Like, is he like, well, you know, poor man Michael Scott. Like, how much is he just jabbering away at his neighbors about Josh Porter? It's funny. I did not even hear it like that. I heard it as maybe something Michael has muttered out loud to himself within the walls of his own condo. <laughs> oh, that's even sadder. Yeah, that's how he's known around Michael's condo. 
In my mind, I saw him like, you know, at the little wall where all the mailboxes are. And he's opening his mailbox and someone walks up and he's like, oh, poor man's Michael Scott. It's, I guess friends with Jim now. And the person's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, bye, Michael. <laughs> all right. Sorry. That just tickled me. Okay. So now we're going to move into the break room. Angela and Dwight, they're standing on opposite ends of the room. They are not looking at each other. Angela is upset that Dwight is going on this trip because she just really wants to spend time with him. And, but Dwight is so excited to go on this trip. It's a big deal for him to be included assistant regional manager. This is like a big part of his job. Angela, it so tickles me how you guys are standing, how you guys aren't looking at each other. You, Your characters would do this all the time as if people would not be confused by this if they walked in the room. Now, this is sort of a classic Dwight Angela moment um, within the office that I love so much. Here's a little interesting tidbit about this. And this is on the internet, so you can read about it. But there was a different scene at the table read. I believe it was at the table read. It didn't make it into the shooting draft where I was upset with Dwight that he was going. So that was the same. And Dwight and I have this uh, exchange in the kitchen where I'm upset with him. And then at the very end, I say, I'm late. And it's like this cliffhanger. I'm late. Yes. It's like, what? Is she pregnant? Yes. Okay. That did not end up getting shot. That did not happen. Because I think, Jenna, as soon as we read it out loud, everyone was like, uh, and I think Greg was like, wait, this is, okay, maybe this is too soon. This is too soon, right? That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy if in this episode, Dwight and Angela are already having a baby. I know. And, you know, it would have been a weird sort of callback to that time when he asked her sort of in code if she was had any prescriptions. Right. Oh, yeah. So anyway, needless to say, they decided to change their minds. Angela was not late. She was just upset because she wanted to spend some time with him, which I actually think is really sweet. Yeah. You sort of get to see the softer side to her. Yeah. And then I have to bring this up here because so it will make sense. You guys, there are other scenes that we shot that explains how Angela ultimately ends up in the hotel, but they're in the deleted scenes. Yes. There's a whole sort of extra plot line here where Dwight secretly gives you a ticket on the train to meet him. Yeah. I know. He gives her that before he leaves. But in the break room, I have to just share with you guys this this setup of us back to back and me at the water cooler and him at the vending machines. We tried a few different positions and this is the one we settled on. But we got so tickled. We laughed so hard in this scene. Just at how absurd it was. And then also Ken Whittingham really let us play with how long our pause was until I said, are you still there? Yeah, And so there were times where we left a ton of space and we the longer we didn't say anything to each other, but stood back to back, the more tickled we got. (laughs) And then at the very end, Jenna, I'm curious because I know you have the script, but at the very end, I say, don't monkey me. You can't wait to get out of here. A.R.M. And I I just like walk out all mad. Now, I remember I improvised that. Oh, yeah, that's not in the script. Well, when I rewatched it, I really felt like I heard my accent when I said (laughs) A-R-M. I think when you improvise, your accent comes out more. A little bit more. Yeah. So there you have it. That's our little secret break room scene. And Angela was almost going to have Dwight's baby here. Yeah. In an alternate universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we go to your talking head, Angela. Okay. And this has one of my favorite lines, Angela. You say, 
In the Martin family, we like to say, looks like someone took the slow train from Philly. And you explain that that's code for check out the slut. Yeah, I am. And then I'm, I say, why are there flies in here? Yes. Oh, hello. I hear a jingle. Jenna, you know what that means. I do. Guys, we get a lot of questions about different behind the scenes moments on The Office. And we always try our best to give you the real deal. Just like our friends at State Farm, if you want to know how much you can save on your auto insurance by bundling with your home policy, they'll always give you the answers you need when you need them. So we teamed up with State Farm to give you the real deal behind your favorite episodes of The Office. And this week's question comes from Cody Gold. Hello, Angela and Jenna. Thank you for choosing my question for The Office Ladies podcast. My question is, in Angela's talking head, she swats at a fly. Was that scripted or did a bug harass Angela like in the episode, The Fire? <laughs> First of all, Cody, we love that you called back the bug from the fire episode. Angela, <laughs> what is the deal? 